Welcome to Space News! I'm Brayden. I'm Dan, and coming up, we've got Red Sun Sensations, Bigfoot Explanations, Comet Illuminations, Deep Space Amino Acid Foundations, and Interspecies Cooperations on this, well, I guess inaugural, inaugural episode of Space News. <laughs> uh, grab a coffee, sit back, and uh, let's uh, let's find out what's going on this week. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this on a Monday, we just dropped an awesome case file last week, which was <laughs> case file uh, two sixty seven. Um, that was Polyp. No, wasn't Polybius? No, it was not Polybius. Which one was it? Holloman. That's what it was. Holloman Air Force Base. Um, Obviously, if you listen to the case file, my mistake. I thought it was the Hollow Man. Still a very interesting case file. If you got any uh, comments or questions or thoughts about that episode, shoot them in the chat, and we'll uh, we'll address any and all comments and questions at the end of the show. Uh, but what do we got on going on for Space News? <laughs> well, today, let's see. Uh, for Space News, we've got a lot of interesting topics popping up. This week, space has not been boring. Uh, let's see. We've got... Right here, like I said, oh, first. B- before we before we get going, sure. I forgot to mention that this um, segment of Space News is sponsored by uh, Pluker Tattoos, who is a top tier um, Patreon supporter. So thank you. You help you help keep the news flowing. <laughs> You're helping keep other uh, your fellow theorites informed about what's going on in space with two big dummies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so our first thing is, uh, uh, you know, a headline that popped up. Astronomers find which what may be a habitable world 31 light years away. So that's a hop, skip, and a jump, you know, if you're in, what, that's one generation ship length, maybe? About yeah, 100%. That. Your kids could be on living on this planet. Well, living on a spaceship, and then, you know, they could be born on a spaceship and then set foot on a different planet. So this is a newly discovered exoplanet, and it is about, it's a, a technically a, a super Earth, because it is 1.36 times the mass of Earth, and they named it, uh, if that's not cool enough, its name is Wolf 1069B. Um, it's a good name. Yeah, that sounds like a place where you would raise space marines. Um, you know, you want your you want your kids to be tough. You want you you know don't don't put them on the <laughs> don't chuck them outside to play. Send them to Wolf Ten Sixty Nine B, right? You know. So let's see. Um, it's pretty it's pretty warm there too. <laughs> uh, yeah, is it being habitable? Even though I guess habitable could be a uh, that's a relative term, I suppose. Since if you think about it, humans can pretty much. Um, you know, just on our planet alone, we're able to make any place that is, you know, would be hell could probably be habitable. We have people who live in Antarctica. It's not exactly comfortable, but it's habitable. So a team of astronomers that was led by Diana Kosakowski at the Max Planck Institute for Astronomy in Germany have discovered a nearby red dwarf star, uh, which is named Wolf 1069. So that's where you get the name 1069b. Um, this planet orbits that star in about 15.6 days. <laughs> yeah. That's a quick year. Right. It's a quick that's a quick turnaround on uh, on the calendar year. Um, it's its distance is, is equal it's about equivalent to about one fifteenth the separation between the earth and the sun. So it's a lot closer uh, than our sun is. And now if this star was like ours, like the yellow star, um, 
what you would get is that you know it's way out of the Goldilocks zone for us, but because this is a red dwarf yeah. star, no, and, and and like outside, it's too far. It's it's inside. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's outside the Goldilocks zone, but on the wrong side. Right. Well, outside. I'm saying outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside the Goldilocks yeah. zone, closer wise as opposed to inside. Yeah. So just like inside, whatever. Um, but yeah, if, if 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 it were a yellow dwarf like ours like you would have a uh, it would be mercury it'd just be like a, a solar blasted wasteland um of a, of a rock but since it's a red dwarf star it's much cooler and you can have these uh the the goldilocks zones for uh, a habitable planet is much uh, there's a much more uh you can be closer to the to the sun and then earth so now uh the radiation that the planet receives, since that should be a concern for most people, is about um, 65% of what Earth receives from the sun. So it's actually less. Oh, so it's way less. It's way safer than Earth, <laughs> radiation-wise. Yeah, you wouldn't need as much sunscreen as you do here on Earth. You know, It's like people go outside and say, oh, you know, you need to get some sun. And you're like, dude, the sun gives you cancer. Like, why you go outside? <laughs> uh, but if you were on... Uh, Wolf 1069B wouldn't be so much of a problem, but there is one issue. Well, I guess depends on how much, I guess how much of an issue is that you like daytime or nighttime or a regular diurnal cycle because uh, Wolf 1069B is actually tidally, seems to be tidally locked uh, <laughs> to its that's sun. Not, I think that's good news that you get the choice. You know what? Earth, it's kind of ridiculous that they force you. Oh, now you got to be in nighttime. Now you got to be in daytime. Not with Wolf 360B or whatever. <laughs> uh, you, you can choose whether you want to live in day or night. So I imagine if we habitat, like made that planet habitable, we would probably be, you know, all along the equator of where the day meets the night. So it's like front yard, daytime. Backyard, nighttime, right? And your house is like, everything's just right on that border. It's Kids, it's time to go to bed. And like, no, it's still daytime outside. Go to your room. And then it's nighttime. I'm like, oh, it's nighttime. The, time to go to bed. All the equator cities, all the slums would be in the night zone. Oh, it'd be sweet. Yeah. Right? All the vampires can live on yeah, one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zell can live happily on one side and not have to worry about it. You know, we can visit him from the light side. No problem. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, as I, you know, I said, it appears to be. We, we can't really tell whether 1069B at this point is tidally locked. And there's a lot of details there, there. But just because of its proximity to its star, much like our moon, like the closer you get, uh, a body gets to like another one, the gravitational uh, pull kind of puts the gravitational forces kind of put breaks on its rotation, therefore tidally locking it. So uh, a lot of astronomers say that it's it's potentially that's what could happen. It could have a normal rotation. We're not 100 percent sure, but you know it is. We're finding more of these all the time, and more of these planets that are potentially. You know, we get a good spectrometer reading on them. We might know if it actually has a a, a um, atmosphere um, and all of those cool things that we could perhaps reach. In 30-some years, if you're traveling at the speed of light. <laughs> yeah. Once we crack the speed of light, then, you know, we're a lifetime away from this place. No problem. <laughs> Easy. Uh, so, let's see. Uh, we've got another one. Uh, if everybody was lucky enough to uh, to go out and get their eyes on the green comet that was streaking its way through the skies uh, earlier this, what is it? couple weeks uh february it was like february 1st february 2nd 
I think that's when it uh, when it came out. So uh, everybody knows what I'm talking about. You're talking about the Green Comet. Uh, <laughs> why didn't they, why they should have called it the Grinch Star? The Grinch Star, <laughs> right? Like that's kind of what I was thinking when I saw it. I was like, well, he got the Green Comet. Like, yeah, okay, it is green, right? But the name's not very creative. Like we could have. I mean, it was probably it was probably just a Green Lantern passing through our sector. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so the it has the 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 uh, enticing name of C dash twenty twenty two E three ZTF or Comet ZTF for short. Um, see, Grinch Grinch Star. Yeah, Grinch Star. It's way, <laughs> way, way better. better. Well, and you know, if you I, missed it. I just want to say, like, you know, because a lot of times with spaces is hard because stuff pops up so quick. But do not worry if you miss the Grinch Star. Because you will get another opportunity uh, in 50,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. I mean, that's easy. Just one thing. You just got to be around for the next 50,000 years. Got to hang out. Um, no problem. You know, people, you know, society will collapse. People will build pyramids again. Uh, you know, they'll discover uh, metalworking. You know, it, time will fly by. You yeah. know, is it, yeah, we'll be, we'll be back around no time. Uh, let's see. So uh, the comet came within 26 million miles, or 42 million kilometers for for everybody else uh, of our planet. So it's kind of it's relatively close. But I don't I don't think it was actually possible to see like details with the the naked eye. You were able to see like just kind of this greenish uh, glowing object in the sky if you were able to to put your eyes on it. <laughs> I- Someone in the chat has said, uh, I don't control the ads <laughs> on these websites. So someone is like, is, there, we, is no one going to talk about the bending over waifu ad at the bottom of the article? Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> we're just going to ignore that. I saw that. There's just a, I was going to show this awesome picture here. Uh, this picture wins the Stonehenge. Uh, but as I pulled it up, I looked to my left and there was a, a <laughs> toe fungus nail ad. Uh, so, you know, if you got toe fungus, head to nailfungus.ca, you know, yep. it's free, free uh, advertising for them. <laughs> yeah. But that's honestly, that's the winner, winner picture. Like, look at that above Stonehenge, uh, the green comment. I think I had one more, uh, this one, a space photo. I don't know how they took that one, but photographed on january 18th so it's through a telescope or something but look like amazing photos coming out of this thing uh yeah the the green is actually something that's it's quite rare in a comet uh, uh scientists were talking about uh, trying to figure out for a while why it had this green color uh and they just kind of recently discovered uh that the the green is due to its um the, the, the comet's coma, essentially, like the atmosphere that it's developed around the the, the, the center of the, the comet, you know, since comets are just big ice balls hurtling through space, as they get closer to our sun, um, all of that, you know, as that ice melts and releases gas and whatever, you have this like temporary, um, you have a temporary atmosphere, which they call a coma. Now, within this atmosphere, you have uh, carbon uh carbon molecules uh, they have a molecule called diatomic carbon or c2 and when that when that carbon in the uh, gets absorbed into the atmosphere and then it gets ripped apart uh like uh, as it kind of just does it gets ex- into the excited mode around the coma and whatever and splits apart you get this you get this green color uh mm-hmm. as, as it burns off and i just i just want to point out the jack bennett pointed out that ad 
I don't control these ads. I never looked up the waifu. I, I swear, I don't it's, have foot fungus. I wasn't they're based on your browsing solve. history. Like, <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, 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 no. I wasn't looking up foot fungus things. These are like they must have a deal with the websites. It's not me. I swear. I mean, Google tracks your ads and tracks your activity and they feed you ads. No, 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 no. I want to clear that up, right? So, Jack Bennett, thanks for pointing that out. No, absolutely not. No. Now, were you looking up just waifu and toe fungus like separately or you like together? Because that's that would be a little bit more weird. Together. <laughs> So you've got the, um, uh, of course, we've got the the James Webb Space Telescope, and now that it's up there and fully functioning, and it's been for for a while, you oh. know, space is never going to be boring again. I think no. we can we can say that for yeah. a, a definite statement. So uh, scientists have said that they have actually found uh, life's elemental building blocks in the depths of darkest space um there is a molecular cloud that they've been looking at called chameleon one which is about 500 light years from earth and so uh when scientists analyze the data from the telescope it has shown that there is the definite presence of frozen carbon hydrogen oxygen nitrogen and sulfur and these are the elements which are vital for forming atmospheres and that and also for molecules such as amino acids. And they kind of call these like all of them together. They kind of take the, they take the first letter of each one of those, uh, of each one of those, um, uh, molecules or whatever the, uh, what are we talking about? Uh, elements. Uh, and they call it chons. C H O N S. Again, I'll say this about scientists. They're like smart people, but they're like name creativity. Low. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you don't get real lucky, Quite and the low. people who make the the they make the discoveries, and they're not really creative in their. Uh, yeah. in their I think names, there should be a field of science that is just dedicated to making the names. Like, so when you make a scientific discovery, you you be like, "This is what I discovered," and uh, I'm going to call it Chons, and they're like, "Nah." We're gonna call it something better. <laughs> no, so, like so there's yeah. some sort of review board that like well, there you should know, be peer a review where they're just like this name's terrible. Yeah, when they go to get their PhDs or whatever, there should be like yeah. a there should be a class that a mandatory class as part of the curriculum of becoming a scientist. Mm -hmm. That's just acronyms, like in, yeah. how to how to make interesting acronyms. Yeah, maybe just like you know, in those science like PhD science, like you know, if you if you're going to get your PhD or your master's or whatever, maybe a couple creative writing courses in there. <laughs> Just something so we don't end up with chons. But this is cool because this is a thing that we're like the building blocks of life. Like we've known in theory that they're out there, right? And it's like we should be able to find them. And we're just starting to now basically get proof of it, right? We're proving all these theoretical possibilities now so it, it's a really crazy time to be alive because i always forget a lot of these things we go like you know they were theories and they're belief theories so people like i don't think people realize it's as big as news it is because they go oh yeah well of course there's building blocks it's like yeah but we we've, we've never been out there right so we're just starting to get the you know the confirmations now that like what we've been thinking is true the truth is <laughs> right like yeah, and so like, and when you think about it, we're like we're looking farther out into space with the James Webb Space Telescope, farther than we've ever seen before. Which is also, you know, distance, you know, equals time, whatever. Um, you're looking into the past. So essentially, what scientists are so excited about about this discovery is that this could possibly mean that you have these 
what they what they say like prebiotic molecules, things like water, methane, ammonia, carbonyl sulfide, and organic you know organic all and methanol. Like you can have all of these, and that these are more common than we thought in the places where stars form. So once you know, so you have all of the the elements there that are that we deem necessary for organic life, like here on Earth, that these could perhaps be. This is just that the formation of earth is not a fluke. It's not unusual. It's like the, all the pieces are there. Um, and so you have, and then when a star forms, it's more like, it's more like you have all of those things there. Then, then you can have a, uh, you can form an earth, you can form other planets and things like that. So we're finding more and more proof to that or more evidence to support that theory that they, all of these molecules are, available they don't just like you don't just have the regular atoms but you have the actual molecules already there all the elements uh necessary to uh to create a a, a habitable planet like here on oh, earth so cool <laughs> but if we bring it back down from space and we put our feet back on earth we've had a couple of interesting uh developments here as well so there is a um if everybody is is as familiar with the idea that um you know some some animals here some people would say that uh are at least as intelligent maybe are a little less intelligent than humans um probably on a ranking scale of whatever you'd probably put humans then you put maybe primates and then usually yeah. people put the third one usually put dolphins octopus oh, or dolphins <laughs> or maybe octopi <laughs> yeah we could we may we may put those um but dolphins have been doing something and have been observed doing something quite interesting lately so there is a group of fishers from the city of laguna brazil that have been working apparently with the uh, a certain species Species of bottlenose dolphins that live in their area, and so uh, I guess the tradition goes back, or at least this this activity has been recorded for more than you know, just observed for more than 140 years, and that these these dolphins apparently will drive schools of mullet. Uh, towards the shore, right where near uh, where fishers are gathered, usually wading into the shadows to to cast their nets, and then these dolphins will actually uh, give a cue to the fishers to like a physical cue to cast their nets, and so um, <laughs> so th- this is actually an activity that we haven't. Um, that people have kind of known about, and it's it's something that we don't get to see very often. Like we 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 have. Um, uh, you know, interspecies cooperation's not a, a complete mystery to us. Like we have things like um, dogs, cats, things like that, or relationships between those. You know, stuff we have as pets, horses uh, is a good example. Um, but dolphins is something that we don't really see. Now, I would say, I you know, I would say this is way more interesting because it's like two species and two very different ecosystems as opposed to because you have horses, you have dogs, sure, you know, um, and cats to some lesser extent. I mean, cats really don't. I don't know. Do they really care? They would probably eat you if you died in your house. Like, yeah. Uh, well, and like the thing that the thing that kind of frustrates me with this ad is because it's a little misleading. The, was the this an ad for dolphins? No, yeah, no. Sorry, it's dolphin article. PR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what, this is what this is. This is nothing more than you know some propaganda, uh, because like an incredible thing happens when dolphins and humans team up. We fish. Like that's that's the that's the gist of the 
article. And I'm saying, like, that's not incredible. Like, <laughs> th- like us and dolphin scientists have never accomplished a lot together. And now to be like, oh, we're fishing together. It's like we were fishing <laughs> separately forever. Like, if you think about what we've done with chimpanzee scientists and dog scientists, we've gone to space. Are you, right? Are you, are and are those you... collaborations, we've gone to space, and here we are celebrating teaming up with the dolphin scientists to fish. We were f- we've been wait, fishing wait, for centuries. Wait, 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 wait. So are you, are, wait, are you saying that like are you saying like dolphin scientists like like dolphins who are scientists? Well, obviously they're teaming up. We're teaming up, right? Right. So, so I am going to deduce <laughs> but that yeah, these dolphins say- are also scientists. Okay, and the chimpanzee. Are you saying they're not scientists? So are I, Why well, are you telling me the chimp that went to space is not a scientist? Why not, not sure a spa- if he, I'm not sure if he has a PhD. Like <laughs> maybe. Well, I would say I would say I would say this. I said PhD is a human thing. He has the chimpanzee equivalent okay. of a PhD, whatever that is. Right. Is that some shape training? I putting see. some putting some blocks through holes? <laughs> right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, but like I said, what I find most impressive about this is that it is two it is two very different ecosystems that which we come from. You know, uh, them being aquatic mammals and us being the terrestrial kind. Uh, this is something that you know we both. Uh, normally an interspecies cooperation will come like the, the, the animals get something. It is, a, it is a symbiotic relationship. We both get something out of it. And what was the kind of the big mystery about this is, and, and it still kind of is, is exactly what the dolphins get from this, uh, this relationship, this, this, uh, this al- alliance that they have. So it's kind of, it's, it, it's suggested and there, there, there seems to be evidence to kind of support the idea that these, um, these dolphins, what they'll, what they'll do is that they will kind of, they'll, they'll do like a, a deep dive. So that I guess they'll like kind of kick their, their, their rear fins like into the air and stuff when they go down and the fishermen have come to realize that this means that they're going to push the mullets like into the closer to the shore. They cast out their nets and they get them. Um, what the uh, what the dolphins get out of it apparently is that the the fish uh, what's we not allow it? them to, we allow them to sexually assault five thousand humans a year. <laughs> that's the deal Eisenhower made with the dolphins. <laughs> five thousand? That's a lot. <laughs> World worldwide? Worldwide? Is that like is that like an official report? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm just saying. Just... I guarantee you, from the the rumors I've heard. <laughs> The rumors I've heard, and you know, I saw it on King of the Hill once. Of dolphins, just are rampant perverts. <laughs> the, the information. Remember that, that one? There's are a, you gonna start yeah. getting ads for SeaWorld on your on your yeah, on your websites? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the whole thing is that these dolphins uh, apparently. Uh, what scientists think is is going on is that when the when the fishermen cast their nets out, the the mullet will be captured, and then this makes it easier for ones that are kind of they split off from the schools uh, of mullet that are being being captured, and that they make it easier for the dolphins to pursue and then eat them, um, mm. you know, catching them one by one as opposed to trying to to catch them in a school, which is a little bit more difficult. Um, uh, this yeah. is this is something that. Uh, has actually there there are tales. I don't say tales. There's, uh, there is 
evidence from aboriginal cultures in the south of australia of this actually being the case um and and something kind of similar to this going on uh, in aboriginal cultures like hundreds if not thousands of years ago the most interesting thing to me about this is it's like in this in this situation we've kind of been trained by the dolphins like it, there's no communication. There's not. It's not like it's a controlled environment where we like train chimpanzees or you know train dogs. Like these are wild animals that now we just like we've figured they've been like, hey, I think they're using nets, and the, the dolphins are like, hopefully you know they did a solid. They trusted us to throw some back, right? <laughs> the dolphin scientists put on their put on their lab coats and <laughs> yeah, and they're like, hey, how can we trick these hairless apes into giving us some fish? <laughs> <laughs> these disgusting two-leggers <laughs> um the um yeah it, it is it's something that is interesting to me just thinking about um there there's a science fiction series uh that kind of plays with the idea of kind of uh what they what they give the term uplifting um mm. and it is a a term that they use to kind of in the future humans are able to to increase the intelligence uh, of certain species and dolphins is one of them. I think chimpanzees, like the first one they do is chimpanzees. And so you essentially have like the chimpanzee from the, uh, what's the chimpanzee Butler from uh, the monkey Butler from umbrella Academy, kind of like that. Uh, uh, So you have them on, if not the having the equivalent intellect of a human, having something beyond that, but dolphins are another one. But it would be really interesting to be able to kind of I, I know scientists have been working on ways to kind of interpret the way that dolphins communicate and kind of, you know, contextualize it for for humans uh, to kind of process. Uh, it would be interesting, you know, via Sequest, if people remember that TV show and uh, Darwin, the dolphin being able to talk, but hearing what they have to talk and like how they how they perceive their environment, because it would be completely different from ours, you know, essentially like your entire life is, uh, you think about a dolphin is like in uh, where we kind of have three, we, we understand there are three dimensions, but we're very much like we are, we live on the ground, you know, we have, we have terra firma beneath our feet. Whereas a dolphin is constantly moving. Like it, it is just like, it's almost flying. Uh, and they live their entire life flying like a bird. You can still say has to land at some point where dolphins are constantly moving through fluid and, and stuff like that. It would be yeah. interesting to see like them try to explain it to humans. Try to walk. That too. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they're no good at it. Just knock them down a peg or two. <laughs> hey, you should come up here on land. I'll show them, yeah. teach you a thing or two. Yeah. I'll Guess teach what? you. I can, I can swim. You can't walk. Yeah. Like I swim better than they walk. You swim. Oh, you swim better than they walk. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, so, um, but now, uh, buddy, this, I'm graceful in the water. What are you talking about? Is, is that what, I'm like a I'm like a smooth porpoise in there. <laughs> you can just picture it, like when you've seen like an otter or something or a seal, like in the water, like at at the. Now, just picture me in a pair of shorts doing right. the same thing. It's exact same. It's probably extremely tempting for some dolphin yeah. perverts out there. I'm sure it's, it's beautiful yet disturbing all at the same time. <laughs> You're like, he moves so grace, gracefully, but he's hard to look at. <laughs> so I can't, I can't tear my eyes away. <laughs> it makes me physically 
ill. <laughs> so, uh, but besides our little interesting jaunt into human cooperation, we have a little bit of cryptid news as well. Yeah. <laughs> cryptid news. I don't know what this segment's going to be called, but we're, we're going to call it cryptid news right it. now. Yeah, yeah, we're still, still workshopping it. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is brought to you by uh, Trent Robertson. Um, he is sponsoring this week's uh, cryptid news. <laughs> so on our, you know, in this segment of cryptid news, we have a new report by a data scientist that uh, posits the idea that perhaps there is a prosaic explanation for our favorite North American uh, wood ape, uh, Bigfoot. Uh, the idea that they came up with is that to take, um, they, they assembled a, uh, a, a crack team. A cra well, it's just one person. Pretty sure oh. it's just one person. <laughs> uh, uh, this scientist went ahead and took a number of data to kind of overlay with each other and to kind of, uh, they started out with the idea, which is not a new idea. This is something that is probably like in 2005, 2008, a couple other scientists have kind of done the same thing where they figured that if you had an increase in the population of perhaps, you know, there are people who would, you know, if you've never been out in the woods before or maybe rarely and you saw something standing up on two legs and walking around in a in a bipedal gait, uh, you might be like, that's that's Bigfoot. But if you're somebody who, who is uh, familiar with the woods, um, you're a woodsman, you're a uh, you're a hunter or whatever that, you know, something standing up on two legs. What else stands up on two legs in the forest? Bigfoot. No, besides Bigfoot. I'm asking you. <laughs> oh, me? Oh. Um, well, I mean, there's a couple. Could be could be a mountain goat. Sure. Uh, about to ram another mountain goat. Okay. Uh, a moose trying to get a low-lying branch. Okay. Um, you know, maybe a black bear. Sure. And that's what that is where the scientists started as well. They figured that a black bear, a large, uh, dark, shaggy haired uh, mammal, uh, you know, that is usually seen within close proximity to where humans would frequent in a forest. Uh, this is where the scientists started. And uh, what they thought was that if you could if you could overlay the data, see, OK, we have a large population of black bears. There should be an increase in Bigfoot sightings, because if those two correlate, there's just a possibility that perhaps you have evidence to support that these Bigfoot sightings are actually just black bears. Um, along along with the, one of the articles that, that we came across and I, when I when I saw this, um, they included a video. Was it Inside Edition had a, had a video of I, I, I like seeing them, but they also creep me out of like when you have videos of, of certain animals kind of walking around and human form or whatever yeah, I, like i ha i have the i have the video here because like right away i was like this is preposterous i know what a black bear looks like and if i saw a black bear standing up i would instantly recognize it as a black bear so let's take a look at their video of one of the things they point to 
I mean, well, that's God Bigfoot. Damn. God, damn, God damn, it's pretty convincing. You're like, holy shit, he is strutting around like that is that is un, uncanny. Uh, he, he he's just he's strutting it out. This black bear it walks. He like jogs like a little bit of a man with his little dangly hands. Now, you know, pointing to this, like looking at this bear walk, I was like, this is an uncanny uh, walk. I was like, this is really wild. Uh, the thing with this black. A bear is this specific one we're looking at he has two front paw injuries so whether that's rendered his front paws useless or I, I can't remember or or from whatever so he that's how he he can't walk on them right now or at all so he's just adapted to yeah. adapted to be like he's like i'm a human now <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna walk like those idiots like <laughs> i mean it's pretty it's pretty convincing because if like if you if that thing was say you know three four hundred meters from you, in the woods and it was just like you can't couldn't really get a good glint like a good beat on it through the bushes and it's just trucking like that like doing that little slinky walk you could definitely I could definitely see, you know being like that's Bigfoot hundred <laughs> percent like in the woods because it, it just looks so unnatural Look yeah it. it's it's unsettling watching it like kind of gate around like like a human and um i i guess this one had been around uh especially probably black bears are probably a little bit more uh likely to be mistaken for bigfoot as they would be you would see them where humans are i mean tactical tactical flash in the chat just said he said no nah, that's a dude in a bear suit <laughs> You know, you're going to have your naysayers uh, and anywhere. That's, uh, I mean, so. <laughs> I mean, have you seen how far bear suit technology has come? I mean, it could be, I, I don't know, there's some pretty good bear suits out there. Oh, that's, uh, that's a quality funny. bear suit. That's if that's funny. a person, I love, bear suit. I love, I, I, part of me, I really like just the, like any, like, I love the, the climate right now where it's like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the truth. I will still be skeptical. Like that <laughs> to me is so funny. So it's like I like it. Uh, thanks, Tactical Flash, for that. It made me. Uh, <laughs> or or is it a Bigfoot oh, in a bear suit? Well, I mean, after seeing this, uh, after seeing this um, video, right, and hearing that these, you know, the, I do have some questions because I'm like, you know, like. Yes, you're saying that the bear, wherever there's bears, there's Bigfoot uh, sightings. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> wherever I, there's deer, there's barefoot sightings. Right. And, it's like yeah. You could extrapolate that to a lot of different things. So it's it's like, yeah, there's another another creature with black fur, but it's like not all the time is there black fur. Yeah, and that's a good point. Actually, the, the scientists brought it up in their paper saying that places like like the the southern United States, where you have you know where it's not Bigfoot, it's the skunk ape. You know places like Florida, Arkansas, Louisiana, these places. You have these dark, shaggy-haired uh, uh, primates or, or bipedal creatures that are walking around. People swear that they have seen these things. Um, that black bears don't live in these areas or are not typical in these areas. Now, um, this scientist, uh, but uh, the one that I'm talking about is uh, their name is uh, Flo Foxen. Uh, they, they, they kind of, uh, Good name. Holy uh, shit. they, uh, what they did is they actually took data and they kind of reviewed it from other, there's two other scientists that have done this kind of study before, uh, taking, uh, data from, uh, various Bigfoot sightings, uh, flow or Foxen got their data from the Bigfoot 
the BFRO, the Big Fit mm. Field Researchers Organization, and kind of uh, put it, you know, they put their eyewitness accounts. <laughs> what a, a slap in the face. He's like, yeah, just black bears. He's <laughs> like, no! <laughs> you uh, can start research against us. <laughs> but it, it, but it is, it is strange that it's like they marked that, you know, in their in their report, they uh, they said, you know, notab- notably, Sasquatch sky sightings have been reported in states with no known breeding black bear populations. So, like I said, like Florida and those places. So you still have Bigfoot sightings in these other places. So what could mm-hmm. that possibly be? I mean, yeah. if you don't have black bears, I mean, it's not an alligator in a bear suit. I mean, well, let's <laughs> well let's use this new information we have. We n- now know that you know it's a probable possible uh, that Bigfoot sightings are black bears. Well, just so happens that someone on our uh, Facebook group, uh, Theorite group, shared a post by James Archie Archibald. Phenomenal name. Fantastic. Um, so now I thought we could take a peek at this post because I'm, after watching that video, I'm, I, I got to say, Dan, I'm kind of convinced that all these sightings, you chalk up to a uh, black bear. So why don't we take a look at this post out of Kimberly. I'll pull it up here. I'm nope. Bigfoot's real. One hundred percent real. Look at that. It's Just not even close the, to a black bear. This, looking at this photo. Look at that. That's all. Well, I'll tell you what. That no, it is. It isn't a black bear. <laughs> I now am an expert on the gait of a standing black bear and what their posture looks like. That's not. <laughs> that's not a black bear. That's a Bigfoot in Kimberley, British Columbia. Look at that thing. Now there's another picture. I guess it was thrashing around. Look at that. That's not a black bear. Come on. We just, I just became an expert on spotting black bears. That is not a black bear. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, these are convincing photos. Uh, if you take them at face value, it does, these do look like what you would, uh, like if you were to take a photo and be like, this is a Bigfoot. And I'd be like, that is a photo of Bigfoot, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, what I can tell you is I don't know what this is. I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you what it isn't. That's not a black bear standing walking through the snow. It's not, but is it a person in a bear suit? No. No. (laughs) Is it a Bigfoot in a bear suit? (laughs) Possibly. That's something we've never talked about. Is Bigfoot, is he using tools? Is he skinning animals? Uh, Maybe. That's why he goes into the, why there's large populations of black bears. He goes and he finds the black bears to make (laughs) his bear suits. That's, yeah. We've, we cracked the case. We've done it. It's uh, done it. <laughs> uh, moving on from another mystery crazy. solved. Yeah, done it. Chalk another one up for the good guys. Uh, Bigfoot's real. We we went full full three sixty there. Bigfoot was real. Bigfoot is big. Black bears. Bigfoot is real. Um, now moving on, we got a segment where we're going to review trending UFO photos or UFO videos. We don't have a name for it, but this one is sponsored. This segment sponsored by uh, <laughs> Willie Fistergash. <laughs> Terrible name. <laughs> that's not his, there's no way that's his real name. I mean, no. Uh, but, <laughs> but hey, thank you for uh, supporting the show. Thank you for sponsoring this segment. We would be absolutely remiss. Is that the is that the word? Depends on what you're using it for. <laughs> well, I'm using it. Okay. Uh, the uh, so it po- dude popping off in the fucking you know the last couple weeks on Mufon. Um, and on Facebook and on Twitter, people have been seeing a UFO, a bona fide UFO in the sky, a white sphere UFO. Uh, let's look, just take a look. 
people have been seeing this. There's been clips of it with the moon, people going moon and been like, what the fuck is that? Right. And it's been getting reported on MUFON all over the continental United States. Uh, I won in uh, Latin America. Um, it was it was it was going wild. People were sending it to us looking at this and, you know, amazed like oh, is this an invasion we're being invaded there's the, these white <laughs> circles everywhere there's one apparently drifting over canada right now um but we cracked it here first i want to tell everyone that months and months ago we've been warning y'all about china lanterns all right right that, that is a factual statement yes that's a fact <laughs> we have a shirt we have a shirt that says keep those eyes on the skies and then it says China Lanterns on the bottom with it going. We called this. Um, is it China Lanterns? Not, I mean, technically. Depends on what your definition. If you're using a very, very loose definition of China Lanterns, perhaps. But this is an interesting one where it came out and this was cracked right away. And we've seen developing story as of yesterday. This So this, what these were, um, it was reported these, that multiple. these. Multiple. Yeah, there's multiple, multiple. right? Are these things drifting over the continental United States, North America, Latin America, are Chinese surveillance balloons? Well, we're not 100% sure what they are yet. But well, we China is saying some... that, yeah, they're weather balloons. Yes. <laughs> which is like, which the U.S. is like, hey, that's our line. <laughs> yeah. But see, the interesting thing to this, like, is if this is, in fact, this gives me hope. It gives me hope that they're... That because you know, a lot of times when we're talking about UFOs and the rare UFOs that you know take off at tremendous speeds and move at, at unbelievable, we've said, we've said, you know, maybe this is a foreign technology that we just don't know what it is, <laughs> right? So I can cross that off my list because we know, well, China, <laughs> China, China's still using balloons, right? Because we've said, like, maybe this is like some of these UFOs, these wild ones are advanced like surveillance drones and stuff and it's like well china ain't using them they're used they're, <laughs> they're old school just drifting fucking 99 white balloons uh yeah the, these balloons have been spotted apparently um apparently this may not have been the actual first time that these things have been sighted like they've been sighted like years past uh, in the last uh last few years uh that these might have been actually been uh, released and then whether they're collected or however China is collecting their data from these things. We don't know what they are. We do know that it is a balloon from this photo that, that Brayden has up. It looks like just this white balloon. Um, usually weather balloons, they have like a little, uh, they'll have something hanging down beneath it, which is the case with this balloon that we see as well. People took some close up, um, some really neat close up, uh, high def photos of this one. And, uh, you can see that below it, it has some type of either it, it's a, some type of sensor array or, uh, surveillance equipment array china is saying that it's a weather balloon that they that these things have gone you know when they, yeah you, you can see something hanging down from it whether that's yeah. some type of solar you know solar collection solar power collection uh oh. array or something for whatever it's got in there and uh Braden's showing the picture now that the u.s has shot it down yeah. uh they I, do you think it was a little bit overkill to shoot a missile at a balloon well that missile, maybe, because apparently the one that they used was an AIM-9X Sidewinder missile, which apparently costs about $400,000 a pop. So maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's a drop in a bucket for a trillion-dollar I mean, trillion military budget 
putting it to good use, I suppose. <laughs> that missile's probably been hanging out in the armory for, I don't know, probably yeah. since the Gulf War or something. But <laughs> like, Gotta do something with it. Yeah, I mean, so it'll be interesting to what comes of that. But it, it was an interesting thing because not very often do you have these trending UFO reports that flow right into what the explanation is and then see, see them being shot down. Like that, the, this like chain of events doesn't happen all the time. I saw, so, some, I saw some interesting cool. comments about it. Cause they're like, did you really have to shoot it with a missile? It's like literally dude could have just, <laughs> he could have just like opened up the cockpit, pulled out a service pistol and shot it. Like it yeah. probably would have been a little well, better. I thought people like, they were like sending warnings, be like, please do not shoot the Chinese, uh, the Chinese balloon. Cause I thought, I thought as soon as, you know, Americans were like, it's a, it's a what? It was just going to be <laughs> like, absolutely. The, so I started blasting. Uh, so, you know, obviously we, we don't have Zell here. So we have the uh, old Ranimatron. It may look like. We pulled it out of storage. Yeah. Hold on. You know what? It's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little difficult because I can't run everything all at once. So my camera, when the, I turn on the Ranimatron, my camera might turn off. That's just it's just how it is. So sit tight here. Uh, I'm, I'm, we'll try to fire it up right now. Yeah, pretty smooth since it's been uh, it's been laying dormant for quite a yeah. while. It seems to be uh, still on point. <laughs> so this is UFO case file of the week, brought to you by <laughs> goddamn stankin' ass, uh, sponsored by stankin' ass. Um, so uh, thank you for uh, sponsoring this segment. Uh, this UFO case file of the week. Clara Elizabeth. It was on the 27th of December, 1954, that Elizabeth Clara had her first close encounter. December 27th. That's my birthday. Nice job, Brandon Madron. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> totally random. Weird. Uh, but she had, she had had two prior involvement with UFOs. Hmm. On Octo in October 1917, she and her sister had watched a meteorite seemingly about to collide with Earth, but being deflected by the power of a metallic object which came in near the meteorite, apparently protecting the planet. Holy shit. What? How, yeah, how have we never heard of this? This is unbelievable. Uh, in 1936, so this is the first. The first that was the first one. That was the first. Holy shit. Okay. All right. Wow. All right. Uh, in 1937, while flying from Durban to Baragwanath, Elizabeth Clare watched like city ruled by the old ones like Cthulhu, <laughs> Lord Cthulhu. <laughs> Elizabeth Clare watched as a blue white light streaked towards her plane. When it leveled out and paced the aircraft, she could see that it was circular object changing from blue white to gold. Oh, the old blue white or black and gold. Well, argument. It, went, it went from Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan back down to regular Super Saiyan. Yeah. Uh, and eventually to red. Uh, Super Saiyan God. Sh shortly after, 
This craft shot high above her aircraft and disappeared. Was she, was she quiet on this airplane? Or was she like, holy shit, look at that. <laughs> so now we get to the, listen, if blocking, I, I, I don't know what this says next. I truly don't because it was a random pick. But if the first story that isn't even, it's an, it's a, it's an asterisk. The, her first encounter, she okay. watched a meteor, right, get deflected by a UFO. Okay. you got to think that whatever happened on December 27th is going to be good. So we're going to get into it right here. Okay. At 10 a.m. in the morning of the 27th of December, 1954, Elizabeth Clare was drawn out of her farmhouse in the foothills of Drakensburg in South Africa by a commotion from the farmhands. Elizabeth ran to the hill on which she had her sighting in 1917 and saw a brilliant flash of light in the clouds above her. An enormous saucer-shaped craft, some 50 feet wide, descended towards her. The object stopped some 12 feet above the ground, hovering near her, near her. and although she was afraid, she resisted the temptation to run. The whole of the ship was flat, rotating around a square, a squat dome. Three portholes faced her, and in one of them, she could see a humanoid looking out. He seemed to view her nonchalantly while she okay. was attracted to his good looks. <laughs> He's just like, hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no interaction. <laughs> no, no interaction took place, and the craft extraterrestrial <laughs> thirst trap strikes again. <laughs> and no interaction took place, and the craft took off. In April '56, Elizabeth had a compulsion to return to the farm and to her flying saucer hill. When she reached it, the spacecraft was resting on top, as if waiting for her. This time, the humanoid was outside the craft. He was tall with a deeply lined face, clear gray eyes, high, prominent cheekbones. Well, I find him attractive. <laughs> and white hair. He wore a one-piece cream-colored suit. Bold. That's a bold look. Cream-colored. Yeah, uh, must be the heat. I mean, it's probably sunny in South Africa. Yeah. It's, probably, it's probably a good idea to wear light colors. Probably yeah. keeps you cool. As he took Elizabeth's hand, he said, not afraid this time. <laughs> No, it's not funny. It's serious. <laughs> and, and she felt she trusted him. Elizabeth allowed herself to be taken aboard the saucer, which took off, giving her a view of Earth from thousands of miles above. The saucer took Elizabeth to the mothership, which was peopled by many like Akon. The name of her contact. Oh, I thought we had talked about Akon before. Have we? Have I think we, we talked, talked about. about a I thought we talked about Akon before because I was like, not, not the multi-platinum musical artist. They yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, she was also shown pictures of the alien's home planet known as Meton. The people there are apparently vegetarians. There is no politics and no money, no arguments or war and no disease. They can travel anywhere in our galaxy, but cannot move between galaxies. Akon's main reason for meeting was to recruit Elizabeth for a breeding experiment. Okay. <laughs> but his approach was with love and compassion rather than the clinical or aggressive approaches of most such contacts. He whined and dined her, basically. Sure. Uh, in this case, Elizabeth fell in love with Akon 
became pregnant by him and spent the last four months of her pregnancy up to and including the birth of her son on Akon's home planet, where the child now lives with his father. Elizabeth Clare has written her own story in her book, Beyond the Light Barrier. I know we have we have talked about that case at some point before. There's no okay, but I maybe, but we didn't know the we, details. We, I, there is there. I think there were some details that we didn't cover, but the, I, yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I don't. I specifically don't really remember spending the four months on his home planet. I don't. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. That's also. I don't remember. It's the also possible this is this is old school randomatron, so it might have had some case files kind of stored up in the backlog. Might have just yeah been yeah yeah. It's, yeah, I don't have the update upgraded version. So yeah, we gotta we, we gotta update the firmware. We gotta because yeah. uh, it's, like. it's been at Zell's house, so it's like it does it. Like I don't have the search the browse history from the random source. So mine's like a fresh one, right? right. So it's you know yeah. it is what it is. But <laughs> uh, um, we are approaching uh, the hour mark uh, for space news. But before we go. Um, why don't we take a peek at a couple things on the Facebook group? Uh, I always like to, uh, kind of peruse in there. <laughs> uh, if you're not on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash alien theorist theorizing, uh, you can find our page and join the theorite group. Always some pretty good, uh, there's some gems in there. Yeah. Chris Kimberly with the eight, no hall of act girl. Phenomenal. I love it. Um, we got this one. Us going to the next Alien Con uh, by the Burmeester himself. Are we, supposed to be, are we supposed to be looking at it on the stream because we can't see it? Oh, there we go. There you go. <laughs> so we got the <laughs> Ain't No Holler Back Girl, which is basically uh, Gwen Stefani. Ain't No Holler Back girl. girl. Got it. Okay. Yeah, with uh, a Mars Attacks face. <laughs> Hilarious. Disturbing. Um, us when we roll into Alien Con next. Yeah, we'll I nice fucking wish. <laughs> <laughs> We all won't fit in that car. You'll, yeah, no, you no, will no. barely fit into that car. Yeah. And then one other. <laughs> um, you know, just head to this Facebook group. It's always it's always a good time. We get tons of people uh, interacting and uh, making memes and and posts of us. It, it's quite entertaining. Um, and if you uh, if you don't know, we got we got tons of case files coming up. Tons of awesome case files. Uh, this week we have. What's coming out? What are we doing? What are we doing this week? I forgot already. <laughs> Two sixty. Uh, that would be uh, AI and aliens. Oh, AI and aliens. That's right. This this Friday, AI and aliens coming out. Um, and we're going to record that Monday. So uh, that's tonight if you're listening now so if you if you want to watch our live streams get early access to this stuff and join the show it's going to be fun we're just going to be talking about uh artificial intelligence real theorizing episode uh you can catch that on our patreon or supercast uh get it early watch the live streams on youtube um or if you want to stick around because me and dan right after this we're going to record an episode about the vaughn meter monster uh as an att confidential um 45 minutes hard it's a wild case about basically a lamphead monster terrorizing yep. people uh, terrorizing a whole town an american kaiju yeah basically it is <laughs> um so if you want if you want to get access to that help support the show sponsor segment you want to sponsor a segment anyone on patreon ten dollars or more will slowly get through the list of uh all of you and then Honestly, thanks for the sports. Thanks for coming and hanging out. We're going to try to do more of these. And uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see where they go, how they grow. This was kind of the tester. So, uh, we'll add more segments and, you know, don't be afraid to reach out, send us space news. If you want us to talk about a UFO, send it to us. Ridiculous article that you want to talk about in space news, send it to us, send us that stuff. Uh, cause that's going to be the show where you guys kind of give us the stuff you want to see. So anyways, uh, anything before we head out, Dan? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much we got we covered everything. I think we're good. Perfect. Right. Um this has been Space News and we are signing out. <laughs> <laughs>